Can you distinguish truth from error? Do you believe everything you read or see on TV? This is Evidence and Answers with Christian apologist, speaker, author, and scholar, Pat Zuckerman, as we explore today, truth in an age of misinformation. It's becoming more and more difficult with today's technology to distinguish truth from error when it comes to the various media that are available to us. And a quick reminder that as you listen today, you can get many resources on a multitude of topics when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Check it out now. Pat has a special guest in part two of this series. Pat, introduce him. Thanks, Kevin. How do we find truth in an age of misinformation? Well, with me today is a man who's going to help us in this process, my colleague, Steve Cable. Steve is a research associate and a board member with Probe Ministries. Steve served in the telecommunications field for over 30 years in positions of general manager and vice president. And Steve, welcome back to the show. Uh, Thank you, Pat. I'm always glad to be here. Well, Steve, we're talking about how to find truth in an age of misinformation. Why do you call this an age of misinformation? Well, Pat, as you're well aware, uh, misinformation is nothing new. In fact, uh, deception is as old as the Garden of Eden. Uh, But what we're seeing today is that there's never been a greater amount of information Every place we turn, we're just inundated with, with information, and our, our children even more so. Uh, my daughter is always connected with text messaging and MySpace and uh, Internet, uh, so there's information coming at us from all directions. And a great deal of it is intended to influence us and control us and is not always aligned with the truth. And so that's why I call this an age of misinformation. Yes, yeah, Steve. Now, why is it important to be able to find truth? Well, first of all, let's just talk about it from from a secular standpoint. Back in the Garden of Eden and and up to today, people's perception of truth, what they believe to be truth, is what controlled their actions. And Nietzsche pointed that out, that, that the entities that controlled truth control society. And so he called that that truth was really just a lie that was created by those who had the most the most power. And so truth or our perception of truth is used to control our actions. And so if we're believing in a lie, we may think we're acting well and making good choices when, in fact, we're making poor choices. So that's number one. The second is when we look to God's Word, we find out that truth is centrally important. I think in today's age, there's, there's many people that don't really understand the level of importance placed upon truth by God's Word. Let me just give you a couple of examples that really stand out to me. The first one is is that the Bible tells us that God desires two things. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says God desires all men to be saved and all men to come to a knowledge of the truth. He puts those two things right together, and there's a good reason for that because we know who the truth is. The truth is Jesus Christ. But that's God's desire, that all men be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth because he is the truth, and in knowing the truth, we know him. Another example that I love is in John 18. I often ask uh, students and others, you know, why did Jesus come and for what reason was he born? Well, in John 18, Jesus gives us that answer. He tells Pilate, he says, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. So that's what I'm here, is to testify to the truth. And he says, those who love the truth or who know the truth will come to me. And of course, then Pilate asked that famous question, well, what is truth? We should be asking that same question ourselves. You know, Steve, I've noticed 
in among today's youth, a strong cynicism, a atmosphere that says, you know, you can't trust anybody, president, the pastor, the church, teachers, you really can't trust anyone because they're all putting their spin on whatever information they present. You can't trust anyone. Is that kind of the atmosphere you're sensing as well? I think that's definitely uh, the atmosphere that we see today. There is a, a lot of cynicism. When you look at polls of how much trust that individuals put into different types of, of people, whether it's uh, uh, politicians, CEOs, uh, pastors, teachers, uh, it's very su- it's surprising how low that is across the board, uh, particularly for politicians and, and CEOs. Uh, but you know, preachers are not near as high as, as we would like. Yes. Well, Steve, what are some, some warning signs of misinformation? Pat, we need to be looking for warning signs for misinformation. Information is what's used to, to control us. And we know that um, deception is at the heart of Satan's plan to destroy us. We know that deception is at the heart of man's separation from God because it says that man he exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And so the world is trying to get us to exchange the truth for a lie. Satan is trying to deceive us into following after a lie. And false prophets, it tells us in Second Peter 2, 3, that because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they're going to ex- exploit us with false words. So the fact that we're surrounded by misinformation is exactly consistent with what the Bible tells us is going to be the state of the, of the world that we deal with. Consequently, we need to be uh, on guard for that. You know, there's, there is a certain truth to that cynicism that you talked about earlier that I should not be naive and accept everything I hear as being true without questioning the source. One of the things we need to do is, in fact, be on our guard, as it tells us in, in Colossians, that we are to to be on guard, that we're not be taken captive by deception. And there's some very practical ways that in today's society that we can see warning signs. Let, let's talk about some practical warning signs. One of the most important warning signs is it sounds too good to be true. If you're providing information that doesn't, you know, it's offering something that you don't quite see why that could be true, then that's a warning sign. For example, you get something in the mail that says you have definitely won one of the following, or mm-hmm. one of them that says you are a winner of the big sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Well, immediately you should say, I wonder what the fine print says. That's a warning sign. It sounds too good to be true. A second warning sign is are they using statistics or computer models to create truth? Mark Twain reported that Disraeli said there are lies damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> That's uh, good. Another mm-hmm. pundit said, statistics are basically two numbers looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Because we can make statistics say pretty much anything we want them to say if you don't understand what underlies them. So when somebody starts throwing a lot of statistics at you, or they say, oh, we modeled this in the computer, and the computer never lies, and it says that temperatures are going to go up around the world and we're all going to drown, you should have a degree of skepticism. Your alarm should go off. Another area, of course, is what is the source? Is it associated with politics, advertising, or some other agenda? So if the source has an agenda and the truth that they're presenting to you is going to benefit them, then you need to um, ask yourself some questions. You know, is this product really going to cause me to lose 50 pounds in one week? 
Uh, is it going to make me irresistible to the opposite sex? We should start asking those questions if it's going to benefit somebody else's agenda. One other uh, sign of uh, warning sign of misinformation, if they're relying on a preponderance of unnamed experts or unnamed believers that uh, all scientists believe or the scientific community believes or educated consumers or lawyers believe, you need to ask yourself, you know, why aren't they giving me some facts, some information instead of just relying upon this large mass of unnamed, unknown uh, experts? Those are some good guidelines. Well, Steve, what are some ways that misinformation is spread? Well, I can tell you one thing, Pat, is it's not normally spread by the person standing up and say and saying, uh, I'm about to tell you a big fat whopping lie, and I want you to please believe it. It's going to be coded in a way that it looks like the truth. And so uh, one of the ways that one of the most common ways that it's done is by shifting definitions and bias terminology. Uh, we see that a lot in all forms of media, not just mainstream media, but also alternative media. Any media source you go to, there's typically a bias or an agenda associated with it, and that's going to show up in the way they provide their definitions and their terminology. So are they going to refer to something as being anti-abortion or pro-life? Are they going to say you're a fundamentalist or that you have traditional values? Are they going to say you're anti-science or you you're uh, researching intelligent design. Just by selecting that terminology, they are skewing uh, the information they're presenting to you. And when we look at today's media here in the U.S., um, we've discovered through polls that uh, over um, 90% of the major news media employees and reporters uh, vote Democratic, and over 85% of them espouse a secular worldview. So even when they're trying to be unbiased, you know, our bias always comes through, and that shows up in some subtle ways, like setting the agenda. What, are, what news are we going to report? What news are we not going to report? Slanting the agenda. What are the headlines going to say? What's the selection of words? What experts am I going to interview about, uh, about this topic uh, so that I can report on something that should just be factual, but I can slant the story based on the way I present the headlines uh, the selection of of uh, words, et cetera, and then I can skew the facts. I can take the facts and I can you know present them in a way that's saying that they say something they really don't say, and in some instances, they actually skewer the facts, which basically means you know you take take the facts and you throw them out the window and you just insert your own uh, made up facts to uh, support your position. You know we had some great examples uh, I think John Kerry and President Bush. The election, there was a lot of information flying around the air there, a lot of misinformation there. Or another one that people harp on a lot now is the war in Iraq. We were told there's weapons of mass destruction there, but then now we're told we were misinformed and are not there. Now, Steve, how do I sort through the misinformation and, and find the truth? The first step in that is to, to have a certain degree of skepticism, to have your um, your antenna up for the warning signs of misinformation and to do like the Bereans. In the book of Acts, it tells us that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the Scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul was telling them was true. Uh, they took the effort. Paul was presenting a topic to them that was very important to their lives. And recognizing that, they took the effort to do some research, in this case, to search the Scriptures to see if what was being told to them was true. And so it takes some effort sometimes 
to get some information. So let me just give you some steps here. And the first one, for those as Christians, is to know the Bible and listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, Hebrews tells us the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces through the vision of soul and spirits and joints and marrow. And it's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Now, that primarily applies to me not deceiving myself and knowing what's of the flesh and what's of the spirit. But it also, the Word of God certainly is, a, is our plumb line and the place that we go to see, is this consistent uh, with God's Word? Is it believable in the light of God's Word? And also, of course, relying on the Holy Spirit, when Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to lead us into, into truth. So we want to start there uh, in, in any area. But there are a lot of areas. You brought up several that are not, say, ethical questions. They're not necessarily spiritual questions. They're more about business or politics and who's telling the truth and what information should I believe. And I think there's two, there are two important things uh, there. Uh, one of them is ask the right questions. You know, ask questions about, well, what is the source of your information? And why do you believe that to be true? As you know, many times we find politicians making statements about uh, events in the world or about reports that have been released, and we find out that they've never even read the report, and they've basically developed their response on what they want to be true and what's beneficial to them, and asking some simple questions about, you know, how did you come up with this response? What's your basis for it? A second thing is to ask, well, is it logical? Does it follow from the things that I uh, know to be true? Does it make sense in the light of the things that, that I believe and know to be true? Now, one of the things also in today's world is we do have to have some experts that we, we trust or in different areas. You know, I cannot, neither can you, Pat, mm-hmm. research every single thing that comes up to determine you know, whether it's been spun or which way it's spun. Um, and so we do have to have some people that we can rely on. And, of course, one of the resources for that is Probe. Uh, we have a group of people that uh, spend a lot of time and, and try very hard to be as very fair and balanced and apply a scriptural worldview in looking at uh, the information that's in, in, in this world. Go to uh, Probe.org for that information, probe.org. Absolutely right. And if you have a topic, you can also email us at, at probe.org, at info at probe.org, uh, if you don't find the information that that you're looking for. I want to tell you guys that in the world of YouTube, the YouTube phenomena, that is a, a website, if you're not familiar with it, uh, where people can post their own videos and people can edit and create their own videos and, and put them on there. There's a lot of misinformation and disinformation on YouTube. You can actually make somebody look bad by the way that you edit that video. And in fact, there are several versions of uh, certain videos of interviews and things like that, that we don't know which one is the correct one. And it occurred to me that maybe far in the future, video evidence will not be a good source for things like 9-11 because people have their own edited videos of 9-11. They'll have three planes coming in and four planes, and then they'll Some of them have had a UFO coming in, you know. And so all of a sudden you have all this disinformation, all this misinformation. All this technology doesn't necessarily guarantee accuracy in reporting. That's a very good point. In fact, the point is, is that just the opposite. In today's digital world, anything, whether it's video, audio, or text, can be modified in a way that looks very seamless and real 
So it's very hard to know, you know, what to what to believe. I'm glad the Bible was written when it was <laughs> two thousand years ago, uh, b- because the manuscript evidence prevents the tampering that could go on today. And Matthew could have finished his gospel today and actually hit delete, you know. <laughs> but there is uh, there, there's something to that. It, and even now in today's movies, Forrest Gump, you see him being placed <laughs> in the same frame digitally with John F. Kennedy. And Nixon and LBJ. LBJ. So you could, it, and, and when you look at the footage, it looks like he was actually there with them. Now imagine that in the hands of someone who wanted uh, to spread uh, a lie or disinformation or propaganda. You should spend some effort to f- determine sources that you can trust for information in particular areas, whether it's your pastor in the theological area, whether it's an organization like Probe and applying a Christian worldview to, uh, mm-hmm. to cultural and, and world events. Uh, whether it's a news source, and you are going to have to rely on that to a certain extent, but you should never quit searching for yourselves and never quit comparing it with the Bible and asking the Holy Spirit uh, to provide you with that guidance. Well, Steve, can you give us an example of sorting through misinformation? Well, I tell you, uh, Pat, uh, every morning when I read the newspaper, I find at least one example where we can exercise our ability to sort through misinformation let me share one with you that's that's fairly recent from 2006 that I think shows how damaging misinformation can be. Uh, in June of 2006, there was a study report that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine that was reported through Associated Press and newspaper headlines across the country. And basically, the Associated Press headline and article started like this. Condoms are proven to protect against virus. For the first time, scientists have proof that condoms offer women impressive protection against the virus that causes cervical cancer. That sounds like a very positive thing for promoting the use of uh, of condoms for protecting against cervical cancer. But let me ask you a question, Pat. If, if you were about to leave to go to a malaria-infested area to spend four years in that area, uh, you would be concerned about malaria, of course. And if, mm-hmm. if I were to come to you and say, Pat, I've come up with a new course of medicine that you'll have to apply very faithfully. But if you do, uh, scientific evidence demonstrates that it provides impressive protection. In fact, it's been proven to protect against malaria. If I said that to you, what do you think your chances would be at the end of four years if you took took my medicine of getting malaria? What would be impressive protection to you? How good would you want that protection to be? Oh, 100%. Okay. Well, no yeah. failure whatsoever. That would be mm-hmm. very impressive. And I, you know, wouldn't oh, yes. you say even 99%, if you only had a 1% chance, that'd be pretty impressive. Well, that's pretty good, yeah. Pretty impressive sure. protection. And that, so when I saw this article, I asked myself the question, well, that's interesting. What do they mean by impressive protection that you're proven to get? And so without going into great details, they they did a study looking at a number of women in college over a six-year period of time collected a lot of information, and basically what they determined was that, in fact, a a young woman who became sexually active with partners who always used condoms did have a reduced rate of contracting the HPV uh, virus, and it was a significantly lower rate. Uh, So it was an impressive reduction, but then I had to ask the question, was it impressive uh, protection? And when you actually go in and look at the data, Pat, it turns out that protection is so impressive that a woman who applied that truth, that protection, for four years of college 
and was sexually active would only would have a 91% chance of graduating from college with an HPV virus. In other words, mm-hmm. only 8% of the time would she have not gotten the virus. I would call that very poor protection. And I would mm-hmm. suggest that the headline should have been, Scientific Study Proves That Condoms Are Not Effective in Protecting Against the HPV Virus. Because I would say a 91% chance of catching the virus is not any protection at all. You know, that's a great example, you know, but Steve, we're hit with so much information every day from the internet, as Kevin mentioned, from YouTube, presenting powerful images and statistics. It kind of seems overwhelming. I mean, kind of, how do we start here? Yeah, and that's an excellent point, Pat. It does seem overwhelming. I'd suggest two things that are important in that area. And the first one is focus your attention on those items that impact the way you live and the choices you make and impact your family and you know the, the world that your children are going to live in. Uh, there's so much information out there, you can't delve into all of it. But you, you know those areas, and I think the example I just gave is one, which if you, if you have uh, daughters or even sons, that when you see the, those type of topics come up, you should be very interested in them. What's the agenda? What are they trying to achieve? And the reason those headlines were presented in the way they were presented, Pat, was because there was an agenda that was basically an agenda of saying abstinence education is not necessary and is not good and that the key emphasis needs to be on, quote-unquote, safe sex. And so they were wanting to promote that there was such a thing. That's an area where it is important to many of us, but there are a lot of areas that you know, are not that important. And so if you're not going to gamble on football games, then you don't really care whether the injury reports are, are right or wrong. And I encourage you not to not to bet on football games. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that area of misinformation. And the, the second uh, aspect on that question is what I mentioned earlier. Take the time to find a few sources that you trust that have demonstrated their trustworthiness, that demonstrated the uh, biblical worldview, and let them sort a lot of that information uh, for you. Well, Steve, in our final couple minutes together, how do we teach our children and our friends and uh, people in our congregation how to discover truth in an age of misinformation? Well, I think the first place that, that we start is is we teach them, consistent with the New Testament, that we are to be on our guard that we're not to be little children tossed to and fro by every wave by the deceitfulness of men and their in their crafty scheming. So we need to teach them to be aware that the world in which we're living is a world that's under the power of the prince of, of darkness, who is a liar and the father of lies. And so when we recognize that we're surrounded by that, then we're not going to be naive. And that's the first thing to teach them. And then the second thing to teach them is to think. So often we want to take the easy way and just let to be spoon-fed truth and to be spoon-fed information. And we need to you know, push them out of the nest and say, you need to you know, walk on your own two legs. And, and what do you think about what's being said here? And ask, ask them the question, model for them. Ask them the questions that they should be asking about the information that they're receiving. You know, what is the source? Well, why do you believe that that's true? Well, what would it mean to me if it were not true? 
And if we can teach them to just ask those basic type of questions, that's really puts them in a position then way ahead of, of most, uh, most young people as they go out, go out into the world. We've been with Steve Cable. He's a research associate and a board member with Probe Ministries. You can visit him and read his articles at probe.org. Also, you can invite him wherever you are throughout the United States and throughout the world. Steve travels presenting these kinds of valuable seminars all over the world. So, Steve, thanks for being with us these last two weeks. Thanks for having me, Pat. I really appreciate the opportunity. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just $2.50 on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want, and we've got some of the top scholars on there. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin. God bless and thanks so much for listening. Evidence and